So I've been led this morning to um, look at an Old Testament character this week, the prophet Elijah. And there's one particular incident that I'd like to, to look at, an incident in his life. But first of all, let's just think about what we know of Elijah. <clears throat> he was a prophet who was raised up by God at a time when many people in Israel had turned their hearts away from Almighty God and were worshipping the false god Baal. At this point in Israel's history, Ahab was king in the northern province, and he had married Jezebel, who was from another country, and she brought her idol worship with her. Ahab did evil in God's eyes, and Jezebel, who seems to have had a strong influence over her husband, encouraged him to worship Baal, And at that time, there were many prophets of Baal in the land. Almighty God was so displeased with Ahab and the people that he sent Elijah to prophesy a drought on the land. During that drought, Elijah was sustained by God. He was living by a river, and um, ravens were coming and feeding him. When the river dried up, God sent him to a widow in another land, and he was fed by her. And all the while he was there, the barrel of flour and the jar of oil never ran out. And God also gave Elijah miraculous power to bring her son back to life when he died. And then God tells Elijah to set up a contest between himself and the prophets of Baal. He wanted to prove the power of the Almighty, that he is the true and living God. Try as they might, the prophets of Baal could not get their God to send fire to burn up the sacrifice on their altar. And then, in a mighty display of power, Elijah having had the servants drench the sacrifice and the altar several times, calls on Almighty God, and he sends fire from heaven, which burns up the sacrifice, the altar, and even the stones that were around it. Elijah then has all the prophets of Baal put to death. The people see that Almighty God Yahweh is the one true God. Elijah tells them that now the drought will end, and it does. Rain falls. We were talking earlier, some of us, about what it'll be like when rain actually falls. We're all going to go out and dance in it. I can imagine that with that drought that they'd had, which lasted a lot longer than we've put up with so far, I expect there was quite a lot of dancing going on then. But they acknowledged that it was God who had caused this, or had given them the rain. So you'd think, after all of this, and all that Elijah has seen, that he would be riding high, that he would be so buoyed up by what he's been able to do in God's name. But no. When Ahab tells his wife Jezebel what Elijah did, she sends Elijah word that she intends to have him killed in the same way he'd killed the prophets of Baal. And Elijah, 
rather than trusting God, panics and runs for his life. He runs into the wilderness and he tells God he's had enough to please end his life. But instead, God refreshes him with food, drink and sleep. Enough for him to travel a 40-day journey to Mount Horeb. And this is where I want to pick up the story in the Bible. It's from 1 Kings 19, and we're starting at verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. I love the way God has responded in this to Elijah. He responds with gentleness. He meets Elijah's needs in such a wonderful way. First of all, he gives him instructions what to do next assuring him that these new kings he is to appoint will do God's will and get rid of all who have bowed down to Baal. But he also, I don't know if you noticed, he also assured Elijah he's not the only one left. 
that in fact there are 7,000 who still worship the Lord God Almighty. We can be like that sometimes, can't we? If we get down about something, we're the only one going through it. We're the only one who could do anything about it. We're the only one who's done this, and we really get me, me, me. And I think Elijah needed to know he wasn't on his own. There were 7,000 in the land who still worshipped God. I want us to see how special is the way God meets with and speaks to Elijah. He's shown an almighty display of power, wind, earthquake, fire. But after the show, God himself turns up and Elijah is met, met with a gentle whisper. One person commenting on this passage wrote, One of the things I love about a God who gently whispers is that a whisper is an invitation to come close. It's impossible to hear a whisper from far away. God knows that more than anything, Elijah needs to feel the gentle presence of God up close. It's lovely, isn't it? I think this follows on beautifully from what Richard spoke about last week. We listened to part of Psalm 23, used our imagination to put ourselves in a green pasture beside still waters. And Richard asked us what the shepherd might be saying to us to restore our soul. With this whisper from God for Elijah, the writer says, in this intimate moment, we see that true power can manifest in, great, in gentleness. And this gentleness was far, a far more powerful force to restore his hurting soul than any of the sensational occurrences at God's disposal. The prophet who had called down fire needed more than the spectacular he needed gentleness. I, that just When I read that, I just thought that is so lovely. God knows what we need. Sometimes it will be the spectacular that gets someone's attention. But sometimes people just need the gentleness. And God can do that too. You can't hear a whisper without drawing close. Have you ever played Chinese Whispers, that children's game where the first person in a line is given a message to whisper to their neighbour and so on down the line? You can't do it without getting close to the person you need to whisper to. I always hated it when I was little if the person I was next to I didn't like, but you had to get close. Old uncle so-and-so who had a whisk whiskers and stuff. and blah. But... The truth is there. We have to get close. And what about when little children have something they've got to tell you? They clamber up on your lap and they put their arms around your neck and they whisper in your ear, probably quite loudly, but they whisper in your ear. That's special, isn't it? Lovely picture. God wants to gently whisper in your ear to draw you close and whisper to you. What will he say? Are you needing encouragement? Do you feel dejected? 
Be still, be quiet, and listen for his whisper. Or maybe you know someone who needs encouragement, who needs hope. Maybe God's whisper to you is for them, that you can be the gentle whisper for them. I'd like us to try something now. I want to be still, to be quiet, and in the quietness, listen for the whisper. He's here. Allow him to draw near. Close your eyes, be silent, and let's listen. It's quite nice to be still as well in this weather. Thank you, Father God, that you are a God who gently whispers. Thank you that your whispers draw me close and restore my hope. Please help me to gently encourage others today. Amen.